Thank you for listening to the Revivify Church podcast. We hope this week's message inspires you and speaks to you from wherever you're listening. Go into week three of Family Matters. And as I've told you from the beginning of the year, normally I, um, I'm more evangelistic in my preaching. Uh, I... I would teach sometimes, but for the most part, it was evangelistic. But the Lord spoke to me before this year and said that I would actually be teaching more than I would be evangelistically preaching. And uh, that is, that's new territory for me. It's not something that I've done uh, over the last nine years. Uh, it's been more evangelistic with, you know, little bouts of teaching here and there. And, and so I just, I, I want you to understand, sometimes I get uncomfortable because it's out of my lane. It's out of my, what I normally do. And so, uh, but I, I hope this series has blessed you. I hope it's helped you. Um, I've not been a very um, large proponent of, 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 of series. That's not something that I've, that I've liked too well because sometimes I feel like series can make you lazy. Uh, you can fall back on some things and just kind of take some canned sermons, some canned scripts from other people. And, and so, but the Lord has just spoken to me in, in a great way about this. Now, I will tell you this, coming up in two weeks... We are going to start our outpouring series, as I explained to you last week. Uh, we went into the outpouring series right when April was diagnosed with a tumor. And uh, that kind of put the brakes on it for me. I actually didn't preach for three or four weeks uh, during that time. And so I pulled back on that. And uh, some of our leadership were sitting around talking one day about the, about the outpouring series and, series and where God was taking us. And I really feel that God is wanting to pour out His Spirit on this church in a way that we have not experienced before. I believe that with all my heart. And so in two weeks, we're going to crank that back up. We're going to go back into it. Uh, Pastor Rodney is going to be helping me with that and helping me teach that and preach that. We're going to talk about the gifts and how they operate within the church. But then on March 22nd, Tony Suarez is going to be coming to preach to us. Uh, this man is known all over the world. He preaches literally all over the world every single week. He is everywhere. Uh, you'll oftentimes see him on religious TV stations all over the globe. Uh, just a phenomenal preacher, an amazing preacher. And one of the things that he's been doing as of late is talking about the outpouring and what God wants to do in filling his church with his spirit to have the power to be able to do what we're supposed to do in this world. Amen. Amen. How many is ready for an outpouring of his presence in your life, in your spirit, in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you can remain seated today uh, as we read the scripture. It's going to be a very, very short portion of scripture. Uh, we'll, we'll read, obviously, a lot more, but just for the moment, getting into this in Family Matters, Matthew 5, verse 8, it says this, simply, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Amen. Uh, Throughout this series, I've asked you, how many of you want blessed homes? All right, I got 10 of you. That's amazing. It's cool, the rest of you. I'm not sure what you want. But no, the fact of the matter is, I think everybody wants a blessed home. Amen? Everybody wants a blessed home. I, I want a blessed home. I, I, I don't want a cursed home. I don't, I don't want any, any part of that. And, but most of what we see in this world is, is, is life is just spinning faster and faster and faster. Uh, we're, we're seeing the opposite at times. 
And we're not seeing homes that are blessed with peace. We're not seeing homes that are blessed with purity. We're not seeing homes that are blessed with righteousness. We're, uh, we're often, even in the church, the families in the church, we're seeing a certain pull, a certain dynamic that's happening in our homes that, that are, are very uh, similar to that we, we see in homes that don't have anything to do with God and have not accepted Jesus in, into their lives. And so... Uh, throughout this series, the overriding theme has been, we are not just a Christian family, but we are a Christ-centered family. And there is a huge, huge difference. There is a huge difference. We'll get into that here in just a second. Everyone has probably heard the following statements. Just follow your heart. It could never lead you wrong. I love it when I hear folks say that about someone they're getting ready to date. Because more often than not, I've seen those kind of relationships lead more people wrong, lead more people away from God because they followed their heart. Or how about this one? He's got a good heart. Here's a good one. She really is a good person. Uh, No, she's not. No, he doesn't. Because without Christ, there is no such thing as a pure heart. In fact, Jeremiah 17 verse 9, it says that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. I mean, that ought to tell you right there, don't trust your heart. Don't trust it. In fact, he he goes on to say, who can even understand it? He says, it's I the Lord that search the heart and examine the mind. Now, here's an interesting portion of Scripture. Ephesians 4, verse 18, it says, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Verse 19, They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Now, I don't know, uh, I'm sure you've done this, you, you, you buy your tickets on Fandango, you know, your little app on Fandango, and, and you misjudge the time and you're late to the movie. And what do they do right after all of the advertisements and all the future films coming out? You know, they're just baiting, baiting you. And there's like 20 minutes of advertising. And you think you can, you know, get in there right at the nick of time. But what happens at the end of all that advertising, the lights drop down to nothing. And so... The movie comes on and you're running in at the last second. Now understand, you just came in from the light and you've run into the theater and you walk in there and you're like... And and you're afraid to take steps because you know the next one's going to be a doozy. right? Because you can't see anything, you can't see the steps because the light has gotten so low and you've come in from such a brightness of, of understanding where you are and your surroundings and your environment that you've stepped into this dark moment And it takes a while for your eyes to adjust. See, that's what he's saying here. He said, their darkened understanding has alienated them from God. He's saying, what has happened is that you've left the light and you've stepped into darkness and you can't see anything. Your understanding, this thing's getting ready to wake out on me here. Here we go. Your understanding is now darkened and you can't see anything Because you've left the light and you've stepped into an environment that you're not adjusted to. But here's the problem. 
you can adjust to the darkness. My uncle, when I was a kid, teenager, teaching me how to hunt. He was a hard one. He was different. He wouldn't allow us to take flashlights in first thing in the morning. Flashlights were not allowed. And I'm like, but how am I to walk from my truck 600 yards or more, sometimes a mile, to my deer stand? He said, you'll find it. It's dark. There's creepy crawlies everywhere. There's little animals that will eat you. Right? That's, what we, that's in our mind. And, 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 and the noises that are happening that early in the morning before light, you're like, oh God, this place is an absolute zoo. I mean, this is Jurassic Park. Right? And he says, no, 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 hold on. Just stop for a minute. Get out of the truck, shut all the lights off, and just wait. And he would make us wait 10 to 15 minutes before we took our first step into the woods. And what was amazing, after about 10 or 15 minutes, I could see perfectly because my eyes adjusted to the dark. And I could find my way wherever I needed to go. You, as a spiritual human being, can step into some things that you don't need to be stepping into. And there's all kinds of dangers. And you feel like you see perfectly. Because you're now adjusting to your environment. And you were never meant to adjust to your environment. You were meant to change your environment. Let me ask you something. Would you knowingly feed a baby a bottle of poison? Huh? Whose baby is it? Well. <laughs> Y'all forgive him. He's, he's, he didn't take his pills this morning. Um, would you knowingly swim in a pool filled with acid? Think about it. No, of course not. That would be what we call ignorant. Right? But yet, now watch this. We're talking about family matters now. We're talking about having blessed families. We're talking about making sure that we lead our family down the proper path and do the right thing. And by the way, I want you to also kind of stretch this today. Not just your family, but let's look in the context of the church family. Now watch this. Watch this. You wouldn't only feed a baby poison unless you didn't know, the, you know, according to him, unless you didn't know who depends on the baby it is. It, but you also wouldn't swim in a pool filled with acid. But let me, let me ask you something. But we have no problem putting a 15-year-old girl in a car with a guy that we've really never met. But oh, Here's one that's a little closer to home. But we have no problem giving a 14-year-old cell phone that has access to every impurity on the face of the planet without checking. When's the last time you've checked your teenager's phone? When's the last time you looked up their uh, Snapchat? That's a good one. Or how about... Mommy, Daddy, can, we, can I go to the movies with Joe? Can I go to the movies with Rachel? 
Oh, yeah, sure. And you just fork out money to hand in to go watch, to go watch a movie you haven't even looked at to figure out what's in it. Because let me tell you, kids look older and older in these days. You know, a, a 16, 15, 16-year-old kid looks 17, 18, 19. They're not stopping them at the, day, at the door to see if they're supposed to go see that movie. But we're just handing them money, just letting them go do their thing. So why do we do that? Could it be the reason is, is we're not seeing the blessing in our home is because our hearts have been hardened. What are you saying? I'm telling you, we cannot just be Christian families. We have to be Christ-centered families. Christ-centered families say, it is my responsibility to raise my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord and check every square inch of their life. Because the public school system's not going to do it. It's not their job. It's your job. Listen, Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. They will seek you all their, with all their hearts. Do not let us stray from our commands. Wow, think about this. Think about this. How can a family, say this in the family context, how can a family stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Let me, let, me, let me go into this word thing real quick. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Here's the new argument. Well, that's just your private interpretation. And so yours is divine. Now think about this. Well, you know, there's just so much gray. No, there's not. There's red, black, white, purple, green, yellow. But that doesn't change the word of God. The word, listen, if, if the word of God is subject to just private interpretation and I can rule out a word because you have a private interpretation of it, then we have no basis for anything we believe. It is the Word of God that saves us. It is the Word of God that cleanses us. It is the Word of God that creates purity in our hearts. And you cannot toss it out just because you believe some of it, but not the rest of it. In fact, if you only believe a portion of Scripture, you might as well erase the rest because it is of no value. The Word of God has to be taken in its entirety. So let's talk about creating a culture of purity real quick. Number one, get your own heart right. Parents, you set the tone for your home. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Well, I just let my conscience be my guide. How's that working out for you? Are we being entertained by sin? Are we being entertained? Do we laugh and giggle you know, about the racist joke? Do, do, we, do we laugh and joke about things that, that should bother us, but we're so callous, we're so hardened, we just let it blow right over us and we're like, oh, that's funny. Every one of us are guilty of that. Parents, we have to set the tone in our homes for purity. Number one, parents, stop parenting to their actions, but start parenting to their heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
That's why Jesus, when he focused on murder and adultery, he didn't come right out and say, adultery's wrong. No, he said, don't even look at a woman or you've already committed adultery. He didn't just say murder was wrong. He said, if you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. Because he was focusing on the heart, not just the action. Parents, you may focus on their actions, but you'll get outward submission with a rebellious inward heart. Right actions come from a right heart. Number three, creating a culture of purity. Pursue perfect purity of the heart. Anything less than perfect purity is impurity. Ephesians 5 and 3 says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, Or any kind of impurity or greed because there's an impurity. Because they are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are all out of place. But rather thanksgiving. For for this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So let me ask you something. How much impurity or poison is okay to let in? Anybody thirsty? Wow, that's perfect. Mm. Neil, you want some? It's good. Come on, come get. Mm. Mm -mm. I got that side. You get the other side. I don't want to be kissing you. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Isn't it? Is that good water? Awesome. That's great. It's fantastic. All right. So how, let me ask you something. How much impurity is too much? How much poison is too much? What we have here is grade A Georgia sand. Right here from this beautiful 15 and a half acre property. It's absolutely amazing. In fact, it's right outside the door. Isn't that just amazing? Neil, you thirsty? Here are your choices. Now look. Pure. Not so pure. But here's the issue. If we let this glass sit long enough what will happen is the sediment that I have in there will actually settle to the bottom. And the water on top will look pretty decent. So every time we go and see a movie or watch a movie that has just a few F-bombs in the bottom somewhere, but it's okay because the top's clean so I can drink on it a little while. But here's the problem is that the more you drink the more it gets stirred up. And there's impurities that you absolutely don't see because you're looking at what's setting on the bottom because most of it even now is setting on the bottom. It's just a little bit in there. Now what's funny about that is 
There is no taste difference in the two. So let me ask you something. How much impurity is too much impurity? Would you drink this on any given day? But yet we do with our choices of every movie, every song we listen to, and all the social media junk we invest in. Why does this matter? Let me tell you why. Matthew 15, 17 says, Do, not, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes in the stomach and is expelled? Do I need to talk about that? Good. Me, I don't want to. Verse 18, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For what of the heart, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. And you wonder why you never tasted the stuff. It's because you become accustomed to it. And you wonder why every week you're battling the same things over and over again. Why? Because the same stuff keeps coming out of your lives. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's talk about the next verse. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. He did not say, blessed are the peacekeepers. He said, peace." Makers. You see, peacekeepers avoid conflict in order to keep the peace. You know, let's come on, let's just get along. You know, let's just kind of hang out a little bit. We're okay. We'll just, we'll agree to disagree. We'll just get along. And so you, you squash down the issues. You keep them silent until one day the issues become so big they explode out of you. Right? Peacemakers embrace conflict in order to make peace. Not, they don't work around the issue, they work on the issue. Why? Because we're not just a Christian home, we are a Christ-centered home. Christian homes avoid conflict. Christ-centered homes embrace conflict in order to make peace. Romans 12, 17 through 8 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Now remember, I told you, we need to consider this a, a church family talk, not just your individual family. A church family talk. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, everyone say, po if it is possible. As far as it depends on you. No, as far as it depends on Live at peace with everyone. Folks, you're not going to fix the world by posting on Facebook. One, you're not the daddy. Two, you're probably not their pastor. I've hit a sensitive spot. <laughs> he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes you just shouldn't say it. Even if you think you are right. Why? Because every man is right in his own eyes. 
So what do, what do peacemakers do? They tell the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 Instead, we speak, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. So peacemakers, what do they do? They tell the truth in love. And they do it by doing this. They pick non-conflictual times or, non -times of, or non-conflict times and confront the issue, not the person. More often than not, when there's an issue, we go to battle the person and not the issue. That person is not your enemy. The issue is your enemy. And when we're dealing in our families, so often we want to deal with the junk of the wife or the husband. And you start, I'm going to tell them off. And you should be telling off the issue. Use the sandwich method. Good, bad, good. How many likes a good sandwich? Peter butter and jelly. Don't talk about meat in front of me. Listen, peanut butter and jelly, and, 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 and listen, for, the, for those of you who think you've got to mix the jelly and the peanut butter, you are out of the will of God. You put the peanut butter on one side, you slather the jelly on the two, and you smack them together, and it runs all out. My cup runneth over. I don't know where y'all got to mixing that stuff up with. We almost got a divorce over that. <laughs> so what peacemakers do is they make the peanut I mean, uh, they tell the truth in love. Number two, they apologize when they're wrong. James 5, 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Listen, admit to specific actions and attitudes with no excuses. Well, listen, I was wrong, but let me tell you why I was wrong. No one cares. Just say why you were wrong and move on. We don't need those details. Number three, a peacemaker will forgive and let it go. Well, how? I, I, I can't. How do I do that? Colossians 3.13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing one with one another. And if, any, if, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so must also you forgive. We are so quick to hold grudges against folk in our family. I don't know what it is about the holidays that bring out all the stuff. Because Aunt Susie, mm, Uncle Jed, Bernice, God help that woman. Her name sounds like burnt grease, but anyway, <laughs> help her Lord. And we have a hard time forgiving when God so easily forgave us. If there's anything that we need to strive to be more Christ-like in, it's in our forgiveness. And stop taking your pot shots at people. 
have the guts to say what your issue is and not be so hidden in your dealings and your methods. Just come out and say, man, i got a problem with you. I would rather you tell me that than post about me on Facebook and then block me so I can't see it because I get the screenshots from somebody who can. Because you can't block all my friends. Remember that. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Number three, let's talk about the persecuted. Matthew 5.10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 1 Peter 3, 17 says, For it's better for us to suffer for doing good, if that it should be God's will, than for doing evil. If you're a Christ-centered family, you will be persecuted. If you look around and say, I'm not persecuted at all. You might need to check yourself. Maybe you're too much like them. So how do we prepare our families for this persecution that, that is coming? And I'm going to tell you something right now. The, the longer we go until Christ comes back, the harder it's going to become to live for God even in the United States of America. Right now in many countries it's illegal to be a Christian. And they have underground churches and they do things very quietly and very silently. And what's crazy is those churches are growing faster than the ones in the United States. It's kind of odd, isn't it? So to prepare your family for persecution, number one, you need to expect it. 2 Timothy 3, 12, it says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. John 15 says, If the world hates you, verse 18, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If we were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the world I, that I said to you. Remember the word that I said to you, excuse me. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Expect it. If you're living for God, expect there's going to be times of conflict in your life, on your job, even in your family, in your friends, in your neighborhoods. Why? Because you're living a certain line, a certain, a certain direction for God, and that world is going to flow up against you. And let me, and let me say this. If, if, if you're not receiving any kind of conflict in your, work, in your walk with God, maybe it's because you're walking the same way as your enemy. We hate resistance. But if you're feeling resistance in your faith, if you're feeling resistance in the direction you're going, check and see if it's God either pulling on you or the enemy coming against you. And if the enemy's coming against you, rejoice. Number two, in preparing our families for persecution, we endure it. 1 Corinthians 4.12, when we are cursed, we bless. And when we're persecuted, we endure it. What's he saying? Stop your whining. 
Stop griping about it. Stop being retaliatory because you were persecuted. Can you imagine Jesus when he stretched his arms on the cross? Do you think they were saying nice things? Hey, Jesus, we're glad you're up there. We're sorry we pinned you to it, but God bless you. No. They spit on him. They gambled his garments away. They said all kinds of vile and, 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 and horrible things about him. How about the disciples? They were losing their life. They were being disfigured. Some of the, if you read this Fox's Book of Mars, you'll find some are getting their tongues cut out. Some were being hung up upside down on, crawling on an axe instead of a cross. How about John? Boiled not once but twice? I mean... Popeyes would have enjoyed that little meat. They were trying to fry him like a chicken. It didn't work. And we fuss because, bless God, they don't let us pray in school anymore. No one can stop you praying anywhere. It's illegal. They can't stop you from praying in your mind and in your thoughts. Think about that. Endure it. Listen. When you create a strong family identity, peer pressure is weak. But if your family identity is weak, then peer pressure against your children is going to be strong. Peer pressure is only as strong as you allow it to be. I want you to think about it. You need to chew on that a little bit. Thirdly, in preparing our families, we need to embrace it. 1 Peter 4 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange was happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. Yet, verse 16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Friends at work make fun of you because you pray over your food at lunch? Or after the big game, you've been hanging out with your buddies, and they all say, hey, let's go to the bootylicious bunny barn and let's go party. I don't know what to call it, but that'll work. God bless y'all. See you next week. That struck a chord with a few folk in here, didn't it? Of course, this year, you didn't have to go to the Bootylicious Bunny Barn. You just watched the halftime show. You know, it was... All right, let's move on. Or how about... You get, you get yelled at or you get mistreated because you decide not to do that extremely profitable deal because it was unethical. Embrace it. This morning, 
Pastor Craig Rochelle posted this, that if you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience to God, then you're not ready to be used by God. So let, let's close with this. Y'all come on. Let's go. Perfect timing. Over the last several weeks, we've used the Beatitudes. And the first week, gentlemen, I talked to you very, very firmly about your role in the family and what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to create things in your family, in your home. We talked about our actions, about how we raise our kids. And that we're going to turn the tide of immorality first in the church. You can't wait on our youth pastors to fix your kids. Okay? Because it's not going to work. Because they can preach till their lips fall off. They can create all the lights and the sounds and the smoke and all that stuff that they do in here. And I don't know if you've ever been up here at a youth night. I, don't come. But, you know, uh, they have a good time. Let the kids have a good time. Parents, stay out of here. Let, let them do their thing. But let me, let me tell you something. They can do all that they do. But if your level of morality is below that of the church... It doesn't matter what the church says. They'll never reach it. Think about that. They're going to do what you allow them to do. And parents, you have an obligation, a God-given obligation to raise your children in the fear of the Lord in a way that they enjoy serving Him. Don't parent to the action. Parent to the heart. Let God begin to form their heart and watch what happens to their action. I never had to tell my daughter, babe, when you and Jeremy go out, don't y'all be messing around. Did I? Now, I'm not trying to pin accolades on you. And if that comes off that way, church, I'm sorry. It's not the case. But what you don't know is me and Bucko, we had a really good conversation at the Super Kroger in Grovetown, Georgia, in the little deli area. We had a come to Jesus meeting, and I led him right there to the Lord. And, and you know, <laughs> he already knew Jesus, trust me. I didn't, there wasn't a whole lot of work I had to do there, other than show him my, my Glock. But no, we, we discussed things. We, we discussed what he believed. We discussed what I believed. We, 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 we worked on where those merged. And the things that mattered, we fixed. The things that didn't matter, we are like, that's cool. I'm going to keep an open mind to that. That's pretty good. But what, what I didn't have to look at him and say, don't you be sexting my daughter. Why? Because when I had that conversation with him, I could, I could see his heart. I could feel his heart. And I knew, he, I knew he had a heart that had been transformed by Christ. So I didn't have to parent to the actions. It was very easy to parent to the heart. Because his parents and his grandparents had done a really, really good job of parenting to the heart. Yeah. And then I knew my daughter was in good hands. Don't parent to the action. Parent to their heart. Husbands, don't 
love your wife to their action. Love your wife to their heart. Wives, love your husband to their heart. We're not just Christian families. In fact, we need a lot of renouncing of Christianity and a lot of pulling in of being Christ-centered. There's a lot of Christian families that wouldn't know Christ if he stood on a Bible and preached to them. It's time to change the tide, to turn the tide, to create morality the where it's supposed to start. That's in the home. And then it's supposed to come into the church. And the church embrace it, support it, teach it, preach it, encourage it. Amen. I want you to stand today. I would say this that there's probably some here, you're looking at this situation that you're in right now, and you're 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 saying, but man, I've based on what I've heard the last three weeks, I've I've had an impure heart, I've had an impure spirit. I've uh, I, I didn't realize it because I just become accustomed to the darkness. And I didn't realize how how dark it was. But compared to lining up against the word, the backdrop of the word of God, I see how dark my heart has been. I, I see how dark my spirit and my language and my mindset has been. I do? What, where, where do we go? Ezekiel 36, 26 is an amazing promise for us. And it says this, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and put a new spirit in you. And I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Well, that's why David prayed. Psalm 51, created me a pure heart, O God, and renewed steadfast spirit within me. If you're wondering, what do I do? Where do I go with this? Let me give you some warning here. Matthew 9, 17. It says, Neither is new wine put into old wine skins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wine skins. And so both preserve today I wonder how many would like to be a transformed wineskin you want your heart renewed you want your spirit renewed would you lift your hands all across this place I want to see them this is what I would love for us to do as many as can would you grab your families and would you come up to the front here all of our families All of our families come. So I don't, I'm not comfortable. If you're single and you have a friend that you can join with as, as the family of God, I want you to do that. Youth group, if you don't have anybody here with you, then you come together with others from your group and you, you get together. Or maybe if uh, you don't have any family in the church, uh, uh, man, grab, grab your small group. Grab, grab somebody you know and, and just bind with them right now as the family of God.
opened this series, the one thing I said is if we're going to be the church that we're supposed to be for the CSRA, in order for that to happen, we have to be strong families inside this church. We have to work on strong families. And then corporately as a church, we need to be one big, healthy, strong family. A family that doesn't persecute you because you've got a problem, you've got an issue in your life. No, the family that says, you know what? That big old log in my eye is bigger than the speck in yours. I'm going to take care of that first. Would you help? We can change the world by how we change in our action towards each other. Scripture says this is how they'll know you're my disciple. By your love, one to Jesus. No, 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 no. By your love, one to another. You show me love and how I show you love is how the world knows he's real. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like to know more, please visit www.revivify.church.